I'm just a boy from Kansas out to save the world from chronic disease. And I truly mean that. Nobody is in control of your health but you. I can't heal you. Your doctor can't heal you. You have to heal you. And it's all about having the education empowerment to know what you need to be changing within yourself, within your life, to set your soul free and accomplish that best life that we all like to talk about. And I truly believe that the greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it. I'm Brendan Vermeyer, the original Holistic Savage. Welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast. Cool. Okay. So now we're live. Welcome to another episode of the Holistic Savage podcast. As always, I'm your host, the original Holistic Savage, Brendan Burmeyer. Super excited to have my good fan, uh, good friend, Dr. Emily Pocha with me today. Emily, what is up? How are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm great. Just sitting here in sunny San Diego and excited to chat with you. Yeah. San Diego doesn't suck. You know, and it's always no. funny, like the, the intro, because it's like, we we're talking five seconds ago and it's like, okay, well now we're recording. So now we're official, but, um, <laughs> super chill. No, I am really excited to have you on the show today. So obviously the holistic savage podcast, uh, I always like to say, you know, we really are, are focused on, you know, I've got this birthday balloon ADD moment, but you know, this Is it your birthday. It was my birthday the other day. And oh so my I've, gosh, happy belated. I, well, so everybody's like, Brennan, what are you doing for your birthday? And I was like, well, I have a plane to catch in a couple hours, so I'll probably do that. I was in Boston for a seminar. Nice. Um, and then I got home, walk into my apartment, and there were balloons everywhere because my, oh. my team and assistants and, and stuff had busted in my place. That's and nice. Yeah, so anyways, but if I move this birthday balloon out of the way, you know, the, yeah, exactly. The show is all about, you know, the grace of and malls teach people how not to need it, which is the whole point of this show. And so the, the pillars of the holistic savage podcast, functional medicine, functional fitness, uh, functional spirituality and functional psychology and everything kind of in between. So allow me to formally introduce Dr. Emily, and then we'll be informal the rest of the time. Uh, but Dr. Emily Pocha is a naturopathic doctor and owner of Wildcraft Medicine in La Jolla, California. Not a bad place to be. There's seals. There's seals on that beach out there. They wave to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I bet you're tight with them. But she, uh, she provides natural healing and health optimization to women and their families through education and empowerment because she believes that healing the world starts with healing the individual. She is passionate about helping men and women optimize their health before pregnancy in order to have healthy babies and create a healthier society. At Wildcraft Medicine, Dr. Pocha offers a family medicine practice with a primary focus in preconception and fertility, digestive health, and balancing hormones for optimal functioning and wellness. So that, that bio, I had to literally force myself to get through because I want to stop and comment about all of it, but that just, <laughs> I think that's amazing. And knowing you personally, you know, I, I know that you have a lot to value, uh, a lot of value to bring to the show. So I could ramble on and on, but I'm super excited to hang out with you today. So where should we even begin, though? Um, well, first, actually, let me I always like to tell kind of the backstory of like how I know my guests for the most part. But you and I, uh, we both do some clinical education for biobotanical research. Yeah, love it. And um, we had never 
met well i don't think we met oh, in santa yeah, cruz in january it was phoenix was when we first met right yep. yeah and we just like it was like instant vibe tribe though it was you me and dr miller hanging out which i'll have to drag him on the show one of these days Definitely. um then we'll have to have like a three-way powwow because I don't even remember what all we talked about in Arizona that night, but I just remember we talked for like three hours straight at the yeah. wine mixer after party thingy. Yeah. So preconception, pregnancy, um, healthy babies. Why that? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> why? I <laughs> What's your why? Um, I have always just loved kids. I grew up with a younger sister and all my cousins are younger. So I just grew up around kids all the time and I was nicking and babysitting and um, I knew that my biggest, most important job I'll ever have in life is being a mom, mm. um, which I'm not yet. I'm a, I'm a dog mom, but, um, for a child, but I just really like, I, I feel the joy when I'm around kids and I just love watching people start their families and going through that whole transition. Um, so part of it was just wanting to be with, um, work with kids and how do we, we support kids to be as healthy as possible. A lot of it is education to the mothers because mm -hmm. let's face it, a lot of them are doing a lot of the raising. Um, mm -hmm. The dads help out too, for sure. Um, but a lot of that learning comes from what your mom's teaching you. So a lot of it was working with the moms. Um, and I was also thinking like, how can I most dramatically impact society on like a big mm -hmm. scale? Um, and for me, that answer was preconception. So mm -hmm. our health starts before we're even conceived. Um, you know, we need healthy building blocks, sperm, eggs, in order to make a healthy baby. Mm -hmm. And so in order to really change society and where we're going, I mean, unfortunately, our society, um, it's a lot of just treat chronic illness instead of trying to prevent, which mm -hmm. is a lot of what we talk about in functional medicine. Um, so I really wanted to figure out how I can implement and try to impact society in the biggest way. So if we can get men and women as healthy as possible before they conceive, we can help create really healthy babies, not just when they're born, but ongoing. So, you know, if you um, planning pregnancy and planning uh, preconception health and all that can also help pre prevent and re reduce the risk of things like autoimmune disease later on in life, allergies, mm -hmm. um, and all sorts of other kind of chronic lifestyle things like diabetes, cancers, and so, so forth. We want to set them up with good genes and, um, you know, physical, but also spiritual energetic too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, as we were saying before we started recording, I, that's something that really fires me up. Um, I, I can't say that I really like work with a lot of couples or, you know, moms with, uh, I mean, maybe that's something I, I want to do more eventually, but um, ultimately like that's, Kind of part of the podcast is like it, there's the, here's the thing with functional medicine and, and all of this integrated functional stuff is uh it applies to every single human on this planet like there's nobody on this planet that wouldn't benefit from uh combining a functional integrative with whatever else they're doing you know through the conventional healthcare model um but that's the beautiful thing is there's no shortage of people that need help there's millions upon millions and Everybody that knows me knows I'm kind of a walking soapbox, so I'll you know keep that tangent roped in here. Um, but that's what I love is you know there's practitioners like you out there, hands on helping people optimize their fertility to have those healthy babies because 
you know, has like, has it ever been worse? You know, you can, we've all heard the statistic of, uh, you know, two, 300 chemicals measured in the placenta of a newborn. It's just like, oh damn, we're kind of screwed from birth. I mean, that sounds a little cynical, but right. <laughs> yeah. We, and we can make a big difference from just supporting pre-pregnancy. And, you know, a lot of people come in to see you, um, you know, the reason why I use kind of preconception slash fertility, because unfortunately we still live in a society where you, you typically go to the doctor when there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do work with women on fertility issues and fertility issues, et cetera. Um, and men, but my passion is just preconception health, which anyone can come to, whether you have an easy time getting pregnant or not, it's still important to make sure that you are, um, you know, detoxing your body and mm-hmm. giving your body all the nutrients it needs to be as healthy as possible. So my passion is preconception, but I also, you know, use the word fertility and infertility to kind of bring people in. Um, totally. And that's, that's totally something that here's the thing is, I think there's such a huge, um, I, I think kind of a knowledge and education gap. And so, you know, the majority of clients, patients, just, just people, uh, consumers, customers, people off the street, people that need help society, um, they don't know what they need. And, and obviously we are in the information age, you know, we've never had, so much information available to us 24-7 all the time. And it's uh, the the paralysis by analysis syndrome. And like I just had uh, a lady comment on my Instagram post the other day from a while back about like MTHFR. And of course, you know, talk about don't don't get me started on that subject, but talk about something that yes, it matters, but kind of has become a fad. And then people go chasing that rabbit hole and they totally neglect it. It's like, you know, that's only one pathway out of infinite pathways that have a major influence on your health. And so, you know, her point of what she was getting, us like, well, um, you know, I had, I think like three miscarriages and I'm so glad that I found out I have MTHFR, but um, things aren't better. And I'm totally lost with the, inf- you know what I'm, same here, and you I'm know, just like, Ooh, yes, 100%. You we missed the mark. Like, I think you know, with Dr. Google out there, which yes. honestly can be very helpful, sure, it's great to have information, but you need professionals and like anything, like in any other field, to help you assimilate that information and figure out how it all fits together and look at mm-hmm. it in a big picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I just actually had a phone call recently from a doctor, an MD, and she had heard about an event I was having, which was awesome, and I love working with MDs. Um, but we got on this tangent of, she kept asking me about, okay, well, oh, you, you work with people that have PCOS. Like, what do you do for it? What do you give them? And I said, well, it's always such a hard thing to answer, right? Because we're all about individualizing. Everyone's physiology is different. Um, you can have three people that have PCOS, which I'm sure we can dive in and talk about in a minute, and treat them differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going through some of the common things I use, and then she brought up actually MTHFR, and I was like, well, yes, that's one of the things that we deal with, we do check for it. There are other pathways, other genetic SNPs or mm-hmm. um, mutations that we wanna address. And sometimes you could have that mutation, but it's not being expressed. Right. And she, I just could hear over the phone, like her mind was being blown. She was yeah. Like, yeah. just asking me questions. I was like, why don't we just sit down and have a lunch? And we'll kind of go through stuff because I mean, knowledge is power. It's what I love about, you know, what you have behind you there is 
-hmm. you know, our job is to empower people, um, help them bring in all the information and figure out what's a specific plan for you and your body to strengthen you, um, and allow you to kind of go off into the world and handle your stuff on your own. Like obviously we're going to need help and support will guide you, but the goal really is to empower people to take responsibility in their health, um, and to help heal them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, before we probably dive into a lot of more specific stuff, it that's really it. You know, when I'm doing a consultation with a new client, I like to explain to them, like, look, and, and I even say this on the the trailer promo for my own podcast of like, I can't heal you. Your doctor can't heal you, like you have to heal you. Uh and and of course our whole society has literally been trained for however many years now of when something's wrong, you know, what pill do you take? And so now there's obviously it's like, oh, well, well now instead of reaching for the pharmaceutical, let's reach for the supplements. Like that's, but that's not how it works though. You know, it's, it's so much more sophisticated. And, and as you said, it's like, let's start from the top. And that's why, no, um, I really don't think people should try to navigate this stuff on their own. And there's just too much, you know, there's thousands of articles about leaky gut and, you know, this and that, and just about any, any topic. And it, they're all just small pieces of a very big metabolic puzzle. And that's right. where you, you got to have an experienced clinician, uh, to help navigate this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love, I mean, I learn a lot from my patients, I'll be honest. Like, totally. um, they bring a lot to the table. They've sat there and they have researched highly on that one topic. That yeah. they're dealing with. Um, sometimes more than I'm able to, since I'm looking at so many things at once. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's, it's still always good to get that second opinion and to have mm-hmm. people kind of help you out. But being empowered is great. Like I love patients mm-hmm. that come in and they're educated and they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just looking for some clinical advice of how to put all the pieces together. Exactly. You know, it's, we have to, I like to tell them that it's like, I'm their spirit animal and their spirit guide as we take this healing <laughs> journey together and no two people are the same, but so, um, you know, preconception, fertility, health, um, I would be inclined to, you know, say, I think fertility is such a good indicator of overall metabolic health. I feel like as soon as things start going haywire, fertility, gone. It's almost like this buzzword that I'm using to kind of bring people in just to like help yeah. them with health in general. Sure. It's true. Like your body, you won't become pregnant if you have a chronic illness most of the time. Right. Cause your body has a, a mechanism saying, Whoa, I'm not healthy enough to carry a child and have mm-hmm. to split nutrients between this, you know, myself and this other little being that's being created. Yeah. So the body has an innate ability to heal. It also has an innate ability to know when it's the right time. So right. fertility is just another fancy word of saying, let's just get your health as optimal as possible. Your totally. gut health, your hormones, your, um, you know, your diet, your exercise, your stress levels. I mean, mm-hmm. we really treat everything. That's why we just call it a family medicine practice because we're yeah. seeing it. Um, and when you get all those things in line and balance, that's when the fertility is, you know, easier. The pregnancies are easier. You know, you're feeling better overall, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you're right. It makes sense just to support all the metabolic pathways and that will mm-hmm. help enhance fertility naturally. Exactly. And, and that's kind of the big thing is the, the functional integrative approach in general is not condition specific, you know, we're not chasing a diagnosis, we're not chasing a symptom, we're really just trying to assess, which it it blows my mind. This is, you know, how I got into the whole functional thing is it just blows my mind. Because when I think about 
what medicine should be or what it, it what it has been historically since you know um, the old days. It's like isn't the point of medicine to like assess the body with the best technology we have and go, oh well, here's all of the factors that are hurting it. Well, the body can heal itself if we can identify and remove the things preventing it from healing. So I don't know, just the model of healthcare today, just how did we get here sort of thing. Um, But that's the thing. It's like, well, at the end of the day, we're trying to assess your physiology and biochemistry and identify those healing opportunities. Of So that way, regardless of whether your goal is to have a child or run a marathon or, you know, lose 50 pounds or whatever it is, it all just happens easier, faster, and it all starts with the environment lifestyle. Exactly. The foundation of all three of those examples are still going to be the same, right? Right. Obviously, you'll start to individualize, you know, the person who's getting pregnant needs a prenatal, the person running a marathon needs some extra protein and recovery, amino acids. So, I mean, you start to individualize there, but really foundation of health is, Mm -hmm. you know, we always say like when there's a really complicated case and you're not sure where to start, just go down, go back to the foundation and the basics, you know, Mm -hmm. are they food? Are they getting clean water? Are they sleeping? Are they, how's their stress levels? All those things are so critical. It's like having the foundation of a house. You need mm-hmm. that foundation before you go up. Um, totally. So absolutely. I totally agree with that. Totally. Well, and also too, uh, uh, I'm huge on sort of this yin yang philosophy. I was just posting about it, but uh, I really think our health is kind of this, this sum or combo of our psychology and physiology. And I really I don't think the two can be separated and we try to all the time, but I, I mean, speaking for myself, you never see somebody chronically ill get better without working on the psychology, the outlook, even kind of the spirituality, like what's your purpose? Why are you here? What gets you out of bed kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our mind, our thoughts are so powerful um, and they can either be a really big obstacle to healing or they can, you know, excel it and, leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we've kind of, you know, we've laid the foundation and, you know, uh, sort of set the framework. So with fertility though, and and having a baby, um, not that I consider myself like a a baby producing expert (laughs) or anything like that. Um, but I always kind of feel like if somebody's thinking about having a baby, especially in today's modern world, you know, we all know chronic disease is that just, it's, worst it's ever been and and our environment is more toxic than ever um you know we'll probably talk about some environmental stuff but um i always feel like if if somebody's goal is to get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy and produce a healthy baby i feel like they need to start working on their metabolic health like at least a year before trying how do you feel about that that's a great Great question. And um, so when patients come to see us for fertility in particular and preconception, um, we basically start them off as if they're a new, well, they're a new patient, but we do a Mm. new screening. Um, The first step is like, let's just figure out and support any pre-existing health issues you have Mm because, you know, duh, we're not going to get far if you have hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that being said, it kind of goes into this whole fertility cleanse and then kind of pregnancy preparation. So ideally, um, at least four months is what I say. It takes about four months for sperm and ovaries to fully develop. Mm. And so if you want to produce the healthiest sperm and eggs, let's start from day one, giving them all the precursors they need. However, in a toxic environment um, and world that we live in, Mm -hmm. 
I'd say six months to a year is probably even better, um, especially if you're trying to detox from things like heavy metals, mm-hmm. working on removing, um, you know, even just like in your household, like the cleaning, the different household cleaning products that you use, the makeup that women use, deodorants, etc. I mean, we talk all about cleaning their house, cleaning their house, meaning like getting rid of the toxic products that they're using just as much as cleaning their bodies and detoxing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we have this buildup of heavy metals and, and plastics and parabens and so forth that our body's holding on to. So it does help to give it time mm-hmm. to release. So yeah, I, a year would be absolutely amazing and ideal. I would say um, it's not super realistic. So yeah. four months is what I, I shoot for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, I always throw that at it. It's almost like I think about what I, I feel sorry for my future wife. (laughs) If that ever happens, I feel sorry for her because she will be on a regimen to say the least. Uh, But you know, if you think about cellular turnover, we, we replace every cell in our body, however often, you know, it's like the intestinal epithelial tissue. We all hear the, the fun, you know, oh, every seven days you have like a new intestinal lining assuming that, you know, you're able to build it. Um, and, you know, however long it takes for the liver, but the point being our cells are constantly turning over. Mm-hmm. And so I literally kind of think about it as we want to have the most healthy cells possible going into pregnancy. And I just, I don't know, some the simplicity of the, the number one with one year of mm-hmm. let's completely change your cellular makeup over the yep. next year. Um, and I think the toxicant, uh, I, we've got to just go straight into that. Cause I think that's yeah. such a huge and scary one. Um, ugh, environmental toxicants. So do you, I mean, that's the thing is when you have somebody come to you, they're like, Hey, Emily, um, I need your help. Uh, I want to get pregnant and have a healthy baby. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, let's get started. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, don't you think doing some kind of kind of detox like way in a because you don't want to be dumping toxins while you know you're dumping toxins into breast milk or through the you know what I mean really good point yeah you you I'm gonna say you can't that you really shouldn't detox at all when you're pregnant right because you're gonna just release those toxins from your fat where are they gonna go right to the placenta yeah um so yeah the the key is to detox before you get pregnant which is why preconception health is so 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 important um and sometimes i think you're going this direction and you can redirect me if you want but um you know i'll run like a typical metabolic panel with them um Mm -hmm. looking and, and I guess typical is not really the right word because in the functional sure. medicine world, we run so many more labs than you would from just seeing a, a traditional medical doctor. But, um, mm. you know, we're looking at for infection. We're looking at liver and kidney function, all that normal stuff. We're looking at iron and iron stores and how it's being transported in the blood. We're looking at all the hormones. We're looking at all the thyroid hormones. That's about nine to 10 different markers. Um, we're looking at a lot of times I will run the AMH, which is looking at ovarian reserve, um, mm. how many eggs you have that are, um, viable. And it's a, it's a generalized, um, way to look at it. Probably the the best kind of gold standard is to get an ultrasound and and look Mm. at your ovaries and see how many eggs you have. But for women, especially in their, you know, thirties and they're not sure about how much time they have, or they're nervous about that. It's a great thing to run because it can like, just let them relax a little bit about having to rush. Um, yeah. So we'll do that for men where we're probably doing a sperm analysis. Um, so there's a lot of different things that we're looking at right off the bat 
oftentimes we'll add in heavy metal testing mm. either urine or through blood because mm. that is very key to be looking at making sure the detox pathways are working optimally heavy metals tend to block detox pathways they are hormone disruptors so if there's mm-hmm. hormonal issues you want to make sure that that's not an obstacle to cure figuring mm-hmm. out where the root issue is um there's also these toxic um chemical panels that you can run as well that are helpful through like genova mm-hmm. um, sometimes we'll do that too very cool yeah i think um there's you know there's so many kind of ways to to skin that cat. I'm curious. So do you have a lot of people that come to you that maybe have, um, you know, experienced miscarriage or, um, you know, they're just having a hard time getting pregnant. And then kind of the part two of that question, if you had to rattle off, like, let's say the, the top five most common causes or contributing factors, shall we say, infertility what what might those be okay yes i love this question yes Um, i do have women that come that either have a hard time getting pregnant or are dealing with recurring miscarriages yeah Uh, it's so it's so tough it's Mm -hmm. it's draining um they've often seen many other doctors they've done ibf they've done other more invasive therapies um one of the things that i think is really great is that even if you're doing ibf um you can still come see a naturopath. Like they mm-hmm. can help support your body and your metabolism and everything else to help increase the chances of getting pregnant, even while you're doing something like that. Because if your weight's off too high or too low, if your thyroid isn't functioning as well as it should, um, if your stress is off, like out off the charts, um, then the IVF isn't going to be as successful. Mm-hmm. So it'd be still a really helpful thing to have that person, that doctor, whoever you're working with, um, to kind of help optimize everything while you're doing those treatments. Um, and I'd say the top well, five is a lot, but um, let's see. Definitely, I'm going to just start with stress. Stress mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we release cortisol, which is our stress hormone, it affects so many other pathways, our glucose levels, our blood sugar levels. Um, it can affect our weight. It can affect our adrenals and our immune system sleep. I mean, so many things. So stress is really important. And the thing, the reason why I bring up stress first is because when you're trying to have a baby, it's stressful. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be this totally new transition and change. Um, maybe there's one partner that wants it more than the other. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone's a little bit afraid about it, um, or nervous or apprehensive. Um, maybe you've been trying for a long time and you just can't get pregnant. So you're starting to feel stress of that, especially for women. Unfortunately, we have this biological clock that just be here ticking nonstop Um, and that's stressful. So, you know, and maybe I know, I know some of my friends too, like there's a lot of women now that we have been driven towards careers a little bit more. And so we're pushing off the getting married and finding our partner. And that's scary too. Like, Oh, what if I don't find someone, but I really want kids. Yeah. So I think stress is really huge. We definitely work on stress, both, you know, on a, biochemistry level by with supporting adrenals, but also with like, how do we just like support your lifestyle and give you tools to help manage your stress? That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome is probably one of the most common reasons for infertility mm-hmm. where you have lots of little cysts over the ovaries. Um, it's also a metabolic issue too. So you'll often have like insulin resistance type issues, um, typically higher androgens, which are hormones like testosterone, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes DHEA, sex hormone binding globulin, those can be elevated, um, prolactin may be elevated. So these are just some hormones that 
will throw off the ability of the um, female reproductive tract to release and ovulate mm-hmm. at the right time. Um, so that's a really big one. So that's working not only on hormones, but also on blood sugar, weight mm-hmm. loss, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really big one. Hypothyroidism. Um, so under-functioning thyroid. Again, when your thyroid is not functioning at the optimal level, everything slows down. Metabolism mm-hmm. slows down. So you may have hair falling out, dry skin, weight gain, fatigue, um, missing some constipation, but also ovulation can slow down. So you may mm-hmm. not be ovulating at the right time or ovulating at all. Um, and the timing of ovulation is really key because you need to be able to fertilize that egg and then get that egg to the uterus to implant um, before another period happens. So that kind of brings me to the next common issue is luteal phase deficiency. So mm-hmm. for women, they have two different phases mm-hmm. in their menstrual cycle follicular phase where we're building up the follicles to release an egg Mm -hmm. and then we ovulate and then there's the luteal phase afterwards which is typically more progesterone heavy Mm -hmm. um, and that's the period of time where you typically um, fertilize the egg and it gets transported to the uterus and if it's not the egg's not fertilized then we have a drop in progesterone Um, if it gets fertilized and the progesterone stays elevated Mm -hmm. So that can be an issue if that phase, that second half of the cycle is too short. Um, even if the egg is fertilized, it may not get to the uterus in time before you start to shed that lining. Mm-hmm. And then low progesterone would be another big one too. Um, because you need enough progesterone to maintain a healthy pregnancy, um, low progesterone can cause miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did it. Wow, bye. I know that wasn't too bad. And I was going to say, because in my head, every time I think of, um, you know, you just, the the more you do all this stuff and the more people, you start kind of um, like you, you hear fibromyalgia and you think oxalates or you hear IBS and you think SIBO, you just start kind of making those connections. So every time I think like, you know, infertility or miscarriage or whatever, I'm immediately like, yeah, stress, low progesterone. Uh, hypothyroid from the hormone and yeah you know them thfr thing and, and methylation there's definitely just i mean with with any kind of methylation disturbance you can't build your dna and rna bases which mm-hmm. i guess that's kind of important for building a new new human inside yeah. of you but um pretty awesome list and i love that you started with stress though and i i love how you uh kind of define stress because i always like to teach some of my practitioner students of, you know, stress is kind of the sum of your uh, psycho-emotional stress combined with your biochemical physiological stress and then your structural. So we have to be thinking about, um, you know, how much uh, wear and tear your body is taking, how much wear and tear your soul is taking, and how much kind of wear and tear your your physiology and biochemistry. And um, so when we kind of look at stress through that lens, and realize like you basically stress is like the the cause of all disease. And then it's identifying what kind of stress and uh, you know, stress as in, Oh, well you've got, you know, mercury vapor from your amalgams poisoning you slowly and you know, whatever, or this genetic thing or, Oh, well just, you're, you're not on the same energetic frequency as your partner as you're trying to reproduce. So uh, there's so many kind of stresses and traumas, and that's again kind of tying it back to the kind of functional spirituality psychology of we have to make sure to address the whole person and that's exactly what you're doing through your model it sounds like yeah yeah when when we have um, men and women come for their fertility consults um, they go home with a packet mm-hmm. that has it starts off with you know 
talking about stress and different tools, like whether that's meditation or prayer or, you know, walks with a dog in the morning, exercise. Um, it has a whole another section about exercise and movement because that's really key too. But mm-hmm. the stress piece is so key, not just now while you're trying, but, you know, the stress is just only going to increase as you get pregnant and then have a baby. Right. So let's get stress as much. I mean, stress is never going to go away, right? Mm-hmm. We're always going to have stress in our life. It's just how do we deal with it on a healthy level? Um, mm-hmm. What tools do we use to kind of manage and just keep our life as clean as possible? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So with the, um, hmm, I, you know, the World Health Organization is starting to announce things regarding the environmental toxicant. I think... Uh, he, trying to think of how I want to spin this because with uh, a lot of the common physiological stressors, you know, bugs and parasites and mold and lime and whatever, um, a lot of the stuff we've evolved with over uh, hundreds of thousands of years. And so although all of that stuff, very real, very detrimental, very challenging at times, uh, there's something about the environmental toxicity that I just feel like it is perhaps the greatest threat to uh, our health currently as as a mass collective society. Uh, you just you look at the statistics and just thousands upon thousands of these synthetic chemicals um, being dumped into the environment by the billions of of tons and everything. It's just disturbing and scary and crazy. Whether we're talking about you know the glyphosate or parabens or phthalates or whatever, uh, but when you have the World Health Organization starting to go. Yeah, you know, guys, I think we need to look at this a little closer because there seems to be a very strong amount of evidence correlating the environmental toxicants with, uh, you know, cancer and and all all sorts of bad stuff. But I'd love to hear um, your thoughts about the toxins and the chemicals and how this might play into uh, fertility and having these healthy babies that we all want. Yeah. Um, talk about stress, right? Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's definitely a big topic that we talk about with our patients. Um, mm-hmm. The key is to make it where it's informative and empowering without being mm-hmm. overwhelming and so stressful that you're like, well, I don't even feel like I can breathe air anymore. Like I remember right. environmental medicine and we all were sitting around each other, looking at each other like, what do we eat? Like, like we're screwed. Air? What do we use to clean? What do we? Yeah. Use? Like, do I just walk around in a bubble all day? Like, right. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, we're going to be exposed to toxins. Um, you know, unless you live maybe in a remote island with like totally fresh air and spring water, which sounds mm. amazing. Yeah, it does um, sound amazing. So I think it's just a matter of like getting as much information as you can, making the best choices that you can, and kind of living with that balance. Mm. So. Um, and I think this is answering your question. If not, you can, you can redirect me, but, um, you know, we talk a lot about the dirty dozen, right? Mm-hmm. And the clean so just to kind of get people started, because if you just unload all this information about that, like on them, mm-hmm. they're going to be so overwhelmed. A, they're going to be like freaked out and they're probably not going to come back to you. <laughs> right. Honestly, we want to start somewhere where we can meet them where they're at. So yeah. dirty dozen clean 15 is a great resource from the environmental working group.org. They also have an app. Mm-hmm. Um, it tells you the top uh, 12 dirtiest uh, produce, uh, vegetables, and fruits that are highly sprayed and, and kind of tend to absorb the chemicals. And you should always get those organic. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's a the clean 15 that typically have some sort of shell or covering over the, you know, the inside of the flesh where you're eating um, that you can get away with not necessarily having to buy organic. In a mm-hmm. perfect world, buying everything organic would be the best, but that's pricey. It, mm-hmm. it adds up for sure. Um, so we'll start with stuff like that. Like let's just work on the clean 15 dirty dozen. The other aspect is that toxins are stored in fat. So anything that you're eating that's fat-based milk, well, I hope you're not eating too much milk, but that's a different conversation. So milk, butter, um, even eggs, you want to get those organic for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, protein sources. So if you're eating animal protein, making sure that you're getting the grass fed, the wild caught, the organic, etc. because those animals, if they're fed things that are loaded with hormones or eating crops that are, have chemicals and pesticides, we're going to get that from eating, eating that. Eating the meat. Mm-hmm. So we start with things like that. Um, we start with things like how do we look at your your home and try to clean it as best as possible. So instead mm-hmm. of using the ammonia and the Windex and all those other things, let's make your own cleaning products. Water and white vinegar, let's add some essential oils to it, use that to clean. Um, you know, all sorts of things that will help. Anytime you take something out of the of your life, whether it's food or a chemical that you're using to clean, you want to replace it with something else. That way they don't totally. feel like, oh, now what do I do? So we try to give our patients tools of how we can kind of replace things that are better options. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with makeup. Like, unfortunately, makeup and deodorant and lotions are just loaded with different fragrancy, fragrances and, um, and chemicals, unfortunately. And our skin is one of, it is the biggest organ of elimination, but also it absorbs so well through mm-hmm. the pores. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about, okay, well, instead of using this lotion that has, yeah, really nice lemon lime scent, let's use some jojoba oil and you can add a little essential oil if you want. Um, things that are just more natural and not going to block some of those detox pathways that we're trying to work on. Right. Yeah. I love, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say the chemicals are real. They're definitely there, but it's just a matter of like, how do we kind of live in a toxic world? Right. I, I love how you brought that, you know, back down earth. Cause again, it's, there's tons of information and it, it can get really scary. And it, it is that balancing act of like awareness without getting paranoid or, uh, you know, gaining knowledge for empowerment rather than just freaking yourself out. Cause the reality is like, Hey, the, the big bodies, uh, I have I have zero control over how many toxins we're dumping into the environment. So, you know, the best we can do is educate, kind of spread the word. It's going to take time, you know. Yeah. So until then, it's like, yeah, we do. We have to learn to adapt. And at the end of the day, there's something to be said for the fact that Darwinism and evolution is still continuing. And uh, the human body is highly adaptable, you know. And so from kind of a a big picture standpoint, you know, these, these stimuli that we're getting, although yes, toxic and poisonous to the body, it's still a stimuli that assuming we don't just kill ourselves off, (laughs) uh, maybe someday we'll have, uh, better detox pathways because we evolved to develop that. And I think this is something kind of a random side note, but relevant. I look at the time that we live now, 
I think it's so unique for human existence because if you kind of we're we're living right here right now 21st century and this is all we know because this is the only time frame that we've existed in in this form you know hashtag we could get into a spiritual tangent there but um the human species has been around you know 200,000 years evolved from bipedal hominids out of africa blah 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 but if you think about like okay think about the way they used to live with like pyramids and stuff and then thinking about uh, 1820s. 1820s, I picture like, you know, the Brits are coming, the Brits are coming and they're wearing like red coats and they stand in line with rifles and, you, you know, really what? Were just awesome, weren't you? Right, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually I was, yeah, come to think of it. Um, and I think about the technology jump from pyramids to 1820s lined up with these single shot muskets and what's electricity. Okay. 1820s to 1920s. Okay, well, 1920s, that's like depression era, um, you know, but we still didn't have the food processing, the chemicals, the, uh, you know, we have the Ford automobile. So my point being, look at 1920 to, you know, it's 2019, but 1920 to 2020, look how drastically different human existence on earth is. And so when you look at some of these reports of like the, uh, what is it, the World Planet Report or Living whatever report like we've killed off 50 percent of biodiversity on planet earth in the past 40 years and it's kind of like how could we possibly do that but when you kind of think about when did uh chemical manufacturing really kick up you know 1960s and so i think we're kind of facing a very new problem that um we have just blown out of the water because there has been this enormous change in in what we're doing and what we're pouring into our food and the environment i think we're just now starting to see the repercussions of that and we're starting to just now so my hope is that it's a short-lived problem and we very quickly go oh crap we went we went really south here um but in the meantime we do we have to figure out how to adapt and the unfortunate thing humans yeah, we can live inside, we can use water filters, we can use air filters, we can choose to put different stuff that we slather on. Uh, the real shame is the the animals and everything in the environment. You know, why are we killing off animals so fast? Well, it's either they have to evolve within their lifetime of like, oh, uh, I'm drinking out of the t- this toxic creek. They can't filter their water. It's up to their organs and their organs can't evolve fast enough. We change the environment too quick. So they're all just dying. Yeah. (sighs) Such a good point. It's, I know it's so sad. Um, And that's where like, yes, we have to live in a toxic environment, which sucks, but how do we adapt to it? But on the other side of that is like, okay, well, how do we educate and empower ourselves enough and then demand for something better? Right. I mean, it's got to come from from us, other it's, otherwise it's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that it's drastically better, but there are a lot of countries in Europe. You know, you hear a lot about how like they demand certain things on their oh, yeah. food for being labeled, and and certain things aren't allowed there that are allowed here. And it's like, how is the USA um, that has all these advancements and such oh, a reputation yeah. and all these opportunities? How are we not keeping up with those? simple to me it sounds like simple standards mm-hmm. um so a lot of it is going to be i think people starting to rally and i think people are starting to get mm-hmm. a little bit more bothered and um kind of speak out about it 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big like politic guy. I kind of tune out from a lot of stuff and just, you know, focus on what I can impact, I guess. But, um, but yeah, from what I have seen, like the USA is way behind when it comes to uh, different like healthcare standards or environmental safety standards or, um, it, it really is. There are other countries that have their shit together way more than we do when it comes to some of these mm-hmm. topics, unfortunately. But as you said, I think there absolutely is an increased demand and exactly why we're here today is kind of spreading the word. And, yeah. you know, that's how movements start, like it, education and recognizing like, hey, we have a problem here and because we all want to have that beautiful little family and healthy, happy babies. But, you know, when you've got um, all the toxicity and toxic babies born into a toxic world and then pumped full of, um, you know, a ton of vaccines right out of the womb that, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) unfortunately I do. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. Well, shoot. So with your practice, though, you know, you, I love that you give your clients very tangible, uh, useful, meet them where they're at. How can we really empower you? But certainly, I know we both know it can be hard to get clients to, you know, clients, patients to use uh, such information. So do you adopt like kind of a health coaching model in your practice to help facilitate? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think just in naturopathic medicine, we learn to do that anyway. I mean, mm. at least kind of how I felt going through school is, um, yes, you're the doctor, but you're also a coach, you know, mm-hmm. I have a totally. um, so yeah, I mean, I try to, especially the second visit, you know, how are you doing with all the information I gave you, you know, let's check in. Like, what are you taking? What have you, what are you not taking? Why mm-hmm. are you taking it? Um, and not in a judgmental way, but like, was sure. it just too much? Was it financially too much? Um, do you feel like you're just taking a bunch of supplements and it's too hard to get them all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you able to fit in your meditation, etc.? So yeah, a lot of coaching is happening because it's not just about giving a protocol and walking away. It's right. about holding people right. through the process. And, um, you know, especially in the beginning, sometimes there's some extra handholding that is needed and that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the health coaching aspect is really key. Um, and that's where like, this may be a little off tangent, but they talk about, you know, with the virtual reality, like, oh, doctors aren't going to be needed anymore. And mm. we can just more accurately diagnose things and tell you exactly what medication you're going to need. I don't think that's ever going to replace human communication, mm-hmm. touch, support. You need that. That's sometimes the, the most significant aspect of the healing process is me looking a patient in the face and saying, I'm here for you. Like, yeah. I believe in you. I know that we can get you better. Yes, it may take a few trial and error, educated guessing of like trial and error of like what works best for you and figuring that out, but we are going to get you better. Mm-hmm. And I just like see that relief come, you know, to the patients and they kind of like surrender that the body has this innate ability to heal. And if they just kind of are persistent and have the right mindset that they can get there. But I think it comes from the coaching aspect mm-hmm. uh, that really drives and motivates people to continue the protocols and to keep up with their lifestyle changes that they're making. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think uh, I, I like that you pointed that out. Because I mean, I say this all the time, all the time. But the word doctor is a Latin word that means to teach, you know, and, and uh, I just I think that's so crucial, because, you know, as this thing up here says, but 
our healthcare model is not an education based model. Um, you know, and so I look at, yeah, kind of the naturopathic functional integrative, just all the stuff is like, yeah, this is kind of what we're supposed to be doing. Like, how did we get away from it? Right. Um, cause you're right. I think there, there has to be, as you said, it's not as simple as like give protocol, walk away. And that's where I've kind of cracked down pretty hard in my practice with, I really kind of force clients like you, health coaching is not an option. Um, right. you know, we really have this model of like, okay, our, our, uh, initial, investigation, interpretation session, give you, you know, the protocol, uh, but then immediately like, okay, here's your health coach and you're going to be doing these bi-weekly health coaching sessions. Cause if it, if that's all it is, here's your protocol. Good luck. Let me know if you have any issues. Let's follow up in two months. You know, you're sitting there two months later, like, okay, what happened? And well, I don't really notice anything. Okay. Right. What are you doing? Like we have to now talk about what you've been doing for the past two months. Mentally, yeah, exactly. All the above. So, you know, it, it does. And I think, um, this line of work requires, uh, an enormous amount of empathetic energy and you're certainly, how do you manage that though? How do you manage and protect your energy? Because, you know, it's like you have to be very giving with your energy to help these people. But at the same time, you can't drain yourself, you know? Right. And I'm going to answer that. The one thing I want to yeah, add to go for it. is, um, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily something that they're doing or not doing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it is just like the protocol that we gave isn't the right fit for them. So I just totally. want to make sure that, like, they're, you know, it could be so many different reasons. So I try yeah. to really be, um, take my ego out as much as I can when I'm yes. addressing so when they come back and they say, oh, you know, I, I really don't feel different mm -hmm. or I feel worse. Mm -hmm. okay, well, that's, that's new information. That's, that's actually allowing us to kind of like rule certain things out and then mm -hmm. move forward in a different direction. So I try to always word it like, I know this seems frustrating to you, but this is actually good information. Right. I think always just spinning things is really important, but you're right. It is draining. Um, it, and it's totally worth it because I love yeah. people. Um, but what I always say, and I had to learn this kind of the hard way, um, I basically imagine kind of like a screen because I still want to be connected. I still want to show empathy and sympathy and all those things um, and really be here for the patients. But if you take too much of it on, mm -hmm. it's hard to go, first of all, just shift gears and go to the next patient right after. And you, you end up bringing some of it home. And so mm -hmm. with that screen kind of mentality, I can still communicate and let energy flow back and forth but it kind of catches anything that's just too heavy or mm -hmm. um, something that I should make sure that I release. And that's kind of how I do it. Sometimes it's just like imagining it. Sometimes it's just kind of um, like learning to put up that, that barrier. Mm -hmm. uh, meditation helps me a lot. If I can meditate either in between patients or at least in the beginning of the day to kind of clear my mind. Sometimes I'll do it at night. Um, I actually work with a Reiki practitioner who I absolutely love. Um, I have her see some of my patients. I have her see me. Mm -hmm. um, and she's taught me about like imagining these balloons kind of strapped to you of all the things you're holding on to and just literally cut them away and kind Ooh, of. I like that. Yeah. It's really actually very helpful. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, like anything else, you kind of fake it till you make it. So <laughs> maybe thinking like, Oh, like that doesn't seem like it would actually help. Like, so yeah. But the more you practice it, like anything else, it gets easier. Right. Um, and you kind of learn. I think it's also boundaries too, like letting your mm -hmm. patients know, hey, you know, if you have questions for me and it's more than five, six questions, that's going to be a follow-up. That's going to mm -hmm. at least a follow-up or something versus trying to 
answer every single question they have through email and it takes you half an hour to do that, well, now you're drained for the next appointment. Right. So sometimes it's a little bit of training back and forth of like, okay, this is how I'll answer you in this time frame. Um, and if it's not in that time frame or doesn't work out, then let's actually have a sit down concept. Mm-hmm. And that helps too. I really like how you um... – because a, a lot of this kind of centers back to what we started with, almost like the initial client-patient agreement of uh, they need to take responsibility for their health, you know, is the biggest thing. Um, but you're exactly right where it's literally we are on a journey together. It's them. It's us. We're walking down this path. Um, and and I think Patients, clients, people love to think it's all very straightforward. Yeah, because I think the the concept of, of functional medicine is extremely attractive. It's very easy to uh, get people to to kind of buy into the notion of yeah, you know, just run a couple lab tests. We know everything that's wrong with you. We give you a protocol. You take a few supplements, change your diet a little bit, you know, and everything fix, fix, fix. And it's like. It's not ever that simple, you know, the, yeah, the lab information, it, it points us in a direction, but then we still have to walk that path. And then, you know, we might run into a rock or then, you know, the trail comes to a oh, jutting cliff with alligators and a river down there. So like we have to navigate that. And so a lot of it comes down to that, that, that open communication uh, and the client you know, really understanding like, Hey, it's your responsibility. You have to communicate because we have to be able to, you know, okay, this didn't work. Well, now we got to figure out why it didn't work and we need to modify and and course correct and get back on track, you know? Um, But you also mentioned, I I love to sometimes as the, as the professionals, we, uh, we're kind of faced with these new, things that then we have to figure out, like, how do we protect our energy and whatever. And so you mentioned like Reiki and and some of that. I just had a really cool conversation about Reiki with um, Christy Marsh. And that was our first episode of the Holistic Savage podcast is like energy as medicine. So I'd love to, and you mentioned you, you know, send your clients some of that. So I'd love to hear um, how you incorporate different like energetic medicine modalities such as Reiki uh, and what benefit you see from that since you're um, yeah. experience with some of that. I'm happy you asked because it's not a topic I normally bring up on my own, which sure. I probably just, um, that's in my own head. But one of the modalities that I actually offer therapies that I offer is a gemstone energy medicine Ooh. acupressure therapy. Okay, here we go. Um, and I kind of describe it that way because it's the best way to like actually visualize it. So yeah. in school, we learn, I went to school in Arizona in a naturopathic, um, you can you can practice acupuncture as a naturopath in Arizona. Mm. So I learned acupuncture, which was amazing because acupuncture really helps support physical things going on, but also the mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic. Mm. Um, so that's why I just love that modality. In California, we need an additional LAC license in order to use the needles. So something else I learned in school that was actually like on the weekends, all the all the great stuff that you learn is always like the extra stuff, right? That yeah, you totally. Uh, the gemstone energy medicine therapy and it's basically using different crystals and gemstones on the different acupuncture points and it's just this really incredible um, therapy it just sounds so like funny coming out of my mouth that I use gemstones like on the body but I use it because it works I mean it's mm-hmm. the, the results are just totally amazing and same idea with as with acupuncture 
each stone has um, different minerals that it's made up of, and those minerals give off different wavelengths. So this is where I like, because it's science, very science-based too. Um, and those wavelengths are energy, right? That's what energy is. Frequencies, wavelengths. And so each stone has different properties um, and different ways it can affect and inter, uh, interact with our own energy. And so we're combining the, the aspects of the properties of the stones with the different acupuncture points. And it just creates this amazing therapy for physical issues, pain, um, stagnation in the body. It can be because of like mental um, stress or issues with clarity, headaches, um, but also the mental emotional aspect of like fatigue, um, you know, um, I'm blanking now, but um, people who are going through grief um, mm -hmm. or just really stressed. So it just really works on all the different subtle bodies that we have. Um, so this is one of the therapies that I actually offer to young couples that are wanting to get pregnant because of all that stress that's kind of built up in the body um, and can create some issues with flowing energy. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you lay down on a bed and like acupuncture, you get uh, those different stones and the different points and then we apply pressure. So it's really relaxing. You're in a parasympathetic resting state, which in itself is very healing. Um, and then you have the added bonus of the stones helping support energy. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that be such an amazing therapy for people. Um, and then I'll do my own little uh, Reiki cranial sacral support while they're sitting there. Um, and then, like I said, I do have some partners that I work with um, that do Reiki and have a Reiki practice. So oftentimes I'll refer patients there and it just helps to just enhance the, the treatment protocol. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, whatever we're already doing starts to work even better and faster because right. they're being calm and they're getting that stress down. It's really incredible. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really glad we um, took this turn a little bit, a little hashtag functional spirituality here, because I think I mean, this is something I'm really passionate about. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a hard science guy, but I'm also a very spiritual uh, individual. It's, a, it's been just a monumental part of my development as a human. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more you accept it and the more you open yourself to the more uh, in different frequencies of energy that you've never put your soul antenna out to, you know, pick up a little bit. Because... The more that I kind of get into it, I really uh, feel very strongly that there are absolutely enormous amounts of universal energy that we're all connected with all the time. And, um, you know, I was talking to Deborah Wayne, she'll be on our podcast sometime soon about, you know, this biofield or, you know, there's Reiki. However, you know, however you want to label is one thing, but ultimately we're all very energetic beings and, uh, we come out of the womb and immediately are programmed to think that we have to interpret all of reality and everything that that means through five limited human senses, you know, sight, touch, sound, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we're immediately kind of like closed off from anything beyond those five senses. And yet we all kind of know that gut instinct feeling or something feels off and so I think it's just kind of funny because like if you look at, as you said, energy, what is energy? It's, it's frequency and wavelength of electromagnetic radiation. And if you look at the electromagnetic radiation scale, you know, infrared, UV, uh, visible light in the middle, gamma rays, x-rays, everything in between, um, we know that such as microwaves, we know that these 
frequencies have an impact on elements and cells and atoms. We can we know this through science, but then a lot of people are very closed off to other forces that might act upon us. So the point being, why do we think we're so smart that we just have the human body totally mapped out and we just need to produce, you know, tons of pharmaceuticals to isolate these mechanisms reductionistically. Um, but then we abandon healing principles and modalities that have been around as long as the human species has been around. And so I think as you're saying, whether it's, you know, stones and, and Reiki and all these energetic more modalities. But that's what I love about the functional medicine industry is we, there's a home for all of it. Right. Um, there, there's a home for all of it. We accept it. And it's kind of one of those, we understand. Um, I find a lot of people like you and I, we are very hard science and evidence-based, but speaking for myself, the more I learn about the hard science, the more it really just points back to nature and also revealing like, oh my gosh, there is way more that we don't know and understand than what we do know. So why don't we be a little bit more in touch with our divine human intuition and start, you know, practicing energetic modalities that benefit us, you know? Yeah. I think it's about being humble and again, taking the ego out and being opened. And I yeah. just, and witnessed and heard about miraculous type healing and mm -hmm. not necessarily from traditional means, right? And right. Um, you know, I would even argue that we always, we always talk about like getting to the root cause of mm -hmm. issues. And I would argue that a, most situations, there's an energetic shift first that happens mm -hmm. before we start to see mental, emotional, physical issues. So yeah. if we're really wanting to address root issues, we need to address that spiritual energetic aspect um, for people because the body, besides getting passed down genes, we get passed down karmic expressions, right? That mm -hmm. get carried over from generation to generation. Um, and you may not even know why you have certain feelings about something or other, you know, fears, anxieties, but it could be stemming from great, great grandparents. Right. Um, and that's an energy, you know, transition. Mm -hmm. um, and pass, passing down a different energy. And then also obviously in your own life, like different energies that you pick up and, and affect you in different ways. It's mm -hmm. like walking into a room and everyone's laughing. Like you instantly just kind of get happy. That's yeah. energy. Right. Or you know, you watch something and you get really sad. So I think if you can kind of start to describe it in a way that people can understand, they'll be like, right. oh, okay, yeah, that actually makes sense. It's not so woo-woo and crazy and out there. Right. Um, there's real substance to it. Um, and then I think it's just taking, like, experiencing it to also really, um, you know, understand how drastically important and how much change you can get from just doing some energy medicine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're so right, because I think where a lot of people might get a little bit weirded out is when we get to um, kind of woo-woo with the terminology of like, oh, we're going to align your chakras and open your third eye and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, I love talking like that just because it's fun and, you know, people mm -hmm. that get it, they get it, but other right. people look at you like you're a total weirdo. And it's like, all right, well, let's let's back up though and realize all life is really just a bunch of transfer of energy. You know, what is the Krebs cycle and electron transport chain? We're just moving hydrogen ions and, you yeah. know, changing charges and, and moving energy around. That's yeah. all it is and we can absolutely intuitively feel a lot of this stuff and I find uh I think one of the, the biggest kind of like plagues of modern society is I think most people 
um, seem to be pretty energetically closed off. But, um, you know, as crazy as like social media and the internet and all this stuff is that controls our lives and we're addicted to, at the same time, it's just a tool and we're still in control of how we use it. And so I feel like, you know, holistic health and uh, spirituality, I do feel like there's kind of a growing movement of uh, sort of this awakening. You know, I think the technology, yeah, it's connected all of us, which is speeding everything up. You know, the the bad is getting sped up, you know, and the, the cesspool of all the people that are just awful to each other through the internet. But on the flip side of that, you know, the, the more um, in tune or I don't know, I mean, it's not good, bad or anything, but anyways, the, but the right people are finding each other faster. And so I think, uh, the collective consciousness is cultivating and, and growing. And I think people are really looking for this kind of stuff. You know, I think we all kind of feel that longing for something that feels a little, it's like that feeling, you know, you get when you're standing at the top of a mountain or, on the beach watching a sunset, you're grounded in nature, you are connected to the higher forces of the universe and the people around you. Like think about holding a loved one's hands, feet in the sands, watching a beautiful sunset on the ocean. You can do this. You're in California. I'm in Kansas. Gosh, darn it. Um, you know, compare, compare the energy of that moment. to when, um, let's say a 10 year old child with ADHD is sitting in a classroom with phosphorescent lighting, eating chemically laden fake processed food. Uh, it's compare the energy of those situations, right. you know, and tell me that there's not something to it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some good stuff. I know. And, and that's where I feel like I probably need to get out of my own head and talk about it with more people because as interested as I am in it and open to trying it, there's lots of people out there that are looking for something like that. I just don't know that that's what it's called or that's the form that it comes in, mm -hmm. but that's the kind of feeling that they're looking for on the surface. They may look like these rock star, you know, look good, dress well and, and fit and yeah. everything. But they may be holding on to something that's really, truly blocking their potential. And that's mm -hmm. what it's all about, right? Is like, how do we get people at such an optimal level and vibrancy in life that they can just live life to the fullest mm -hmm. um, and whoever they want to be. And yeah. that's what. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. And I think that's what's so cool about our industry is I feel like we're, our industry is kind of the tip of the spear leading that movement where the line in between the woo woo and the out there spirituality, you know, whatever energy uh, versus hard science, that line is getting blurrier and blurrier. You know, we like you and I go to all these different conferences and stuff. And, you know, we see the research and the data and the evidence. Uh, and, you know, when you've got, you know, all these former conventional medical doctors turned functional, and now they're lecturing about, you know, what modalities they've found helpful for like, let's say chronic Lyme and oh, well, I found that retraining the limbic system is, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, um, there's something to this, you know. Um, so I do. I, I'm kind of right there with you. It, it is all a little bit more, um, you know, I guess it's probably only been the past few years I've been a little bit more accepting of this thing that I feel deep within my soul. But I think we're all kind of like, yeah society's gotten a little cray cray so how do we kind of center ourselves again yeah, absolutely so key to healing 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it'll be exciting to see over time, uh, you know, the next 10 years, kind of what that looks like and how that shifts. And, you know, there's tons of research. It always blows my mind because I I have my plant children. I love my plant children. Um, (laughs) It's like a thing. And and there's... Oh, 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 look at those succulents. <laughs> that's my part-time job. Oh, man, look at it. That's like a full-on logo and everything. Look at you. I just got this, you know, this thing is off-gassing as we speak. I can smell the fumes coming off this guy. But <laughs> it's fine. Um, but, you know, like with uh, with plants, there's so much evidence that really shows and validates like speaking kindly to plants helps them grow. So then of course, imagine what would happen if you speak kindly to humans and we all like hear this and know this, but people don't like think about it or talk about it. And it's like, think about the significance of that. Think about the fact that loving, like loving on a plant helps it grow and flourish. This was literally what I did for my eighth grade. Um, science fair project it's so funny that you brought that up oh no that was (laughs) science i think dr emoto maybe you know him but he did this whole study on water crystals and he had people talk and even some that were just far away but they think bad thoughts about the water crystals like you're ugly bad all this stuff and then another group of people sending love and positive vibes and he took pictures of the crystals and the ones that were given the negative energy were just deformed mm-hmm. and, and the other ones look like perfect snowflakes. I mean, it was such a cool book and study because I think the hardest thing with what we're talking about is how do you study it? How do you measure energy um, in a lot of these instances? And it's also going to be different for every single person in the environment. So yes, research and studies and all that is a hundred percent needed and helpful to guide different protocols and treatment. But there are some things out there that just, can't be researched and studied mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it's not true it just mm-hmm. means that we can't tangibly you know visualize it measure it mm-hmm. um, I think people just need to have an open mind that like that doesn't mean that it's limited yeah oh uh, you're, you're totally right well, that's crazy that you bring that specific uh, example up because one of my best friends, Brandy, was literally just telling me about that and sent me like a, a picture of, yeah, all the, the, the water particles that were like frozen or something and, you know, the, the, the good vibe ones and the bad vibe ones and like just how it changed it, yeah. the, the crystals so much. Or I was listening to this podcast. Um, I th- think it was like an Opry Marcus podcast or something. I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts, honestly, but they were talking, he was talking to some dude who's like a, you know, quantum physicist or something. And they were doing these experiments. I'm going to butcher this, but basically, you know, they have some kind of like particle cannon thingy and it's blasting particles at some kind of like instrument wall thingy that's measuring it, whatever. But what they found is in the presence of human observation. So when there were researchers and humans present, like in the lab observing the experiment, the particles behaved differently at the quantum physics level, like these, you know, atomic particles. And I don't know how I'm not a quantum physicist, but the particle behavior changed um, with human energy observational energy there versus like there's no humans around and we're just blasting particles out of thing and it's like i mean talk about a a, a mind screw there of just like yeah. wh- what you mean our very presence changes yeah you know atomic 
particle behavior. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every, all matter has energy that it's constantly giving off. And so all those energies are constantly intertwining and influencing each other. I mean, it totally. makes sense, but it is like, it's definitely like mind blown. Yeah. yeah. Some next level. So, but then, you know, we can really kind of tie this all back together though, because I mean, we, we really have touched mind, body, soul, that, that is true healing. And I think that's perhaps because, uh, yeah, we've kind of been all over with this conversation, but when we kind of bring it all back together though, you know, we have to use an evidence-based approach to heal your body, your mind and your psyche, but also your soul, your energy, your frequency. And uh, so everything that we're talking about in this conversation versus obviously our conventional model, if you walk in, you do a super basic like blood chem, everything looks normal or, oh, you know, it just pill for an ill. Like we all know and recognize what the problem is. And it's like true metabolic healing requires that true, you know, mind, body, soul approach. Yeah. Which takes longer. Yeah. And, you know, in the business model may not necessarily be as successful, but Mm -hmm good and better medicine like taking the time to really get to know people on all levels mm-hmm. um figuring out like i always ask people at the end of my visits what are your top three concerns mm-hmm. and that could be like symptoms that could be like you know mental emotional things they want to work on and i just keep it really open-ended because you know if they feel like they're getting they're being heard first mm-hmm. of all um, and that they're getting support on the things that are most important to them. Mm-hmm. That's going to also keep them motivated to stay up and on top of the, the treatment. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know, we really, there's so many things that we could be doing and could be applying our finite energy and resources to. So that that is something. It's like, what are, you know, your top three goals or objectives? Yeah. Because we do, there, there's so many we have to make sure that we're not pushing our own agenda and we have to make sure that we're, we're really prioritizing keeping it client centered is something precision nutrition always talks about like client centered coaching. We have to make sure uh, it's the client patient's agenda and we're the professional that knows the best way to, you know, engage and facilitate that. But it's like, how does the client uh, measure progress? You know, your, what's your smart goal, specific measurable, attractive, realistic, timely. Um, so you have to do, you, cause it, it's just, there's too much before you know it. It's like, Oh, I got my Reiki session on Thursday and my, you know, um, soft tissue work and blah, blah, blah. Um, but we do, we have to make sure we don't get overwhelmed and we're able to break it down into these action steps in a, in a structured, uh, you know, we apply recommendations, we reassess, we course correct, we guide you through the process, a lot to it. And this yeah. is, you know, why people need, um, skilled practitioners rather than just relying on doctors. We all wish it was that easy. Like, yeah, just pop a pill and all of your problems yeah. go away. Who who doesn't? I wish it was that easy. I do. That would make my life a lot easier. But fortunately, that's not working very well for our nation. <laughs> We're more complex and beautiful than that. So. Yeah. So I want to make sure I don't keep you all day. Oh, 111. Huh. I, love, I love repeating numbers on the clock. I don't want to keep you all all day, but... Um, really, the only pillar that we haven't touched on is, is functional fitness. We've talked about spirituality, psychology, functional medicine, not so much functional fitness, but I'm curious, especially 
um, you know, as a doctor of naturopathic medicine that works day in, day out, helping uh, heal patients and helping patients reclaim optimal health. Um, I'd love to just throw this at you and hear your take on how society tends to kind of confuse fitness mm -hmm. as metabolic health. Hmm. Mm, that's a good question. Like, I want to get healthier. I'm going to go hire a personal trainer. Is right. is, is mm, fitness metabolic health? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a really good question. I, I didn't think you were going there, but I like it. Okay, Purple. so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll run with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I'll say that like movement and exercise is drastically, hugely important um, to support metabolism and metabolic health, but it is not the only thing. Um, you know, calories in, calories out is so outdated. Um, <laughs> I think that that's going to change, um, you know, your physiology is, it may help it, um, but it's, it's not, it's a very small piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important. I think that um, the type of exercise that you're doing is critical too. Um, balance for me is always really important. You know, the mix of HIIT, high intensity interval training with, more like long, like um, low impact, but like long period of time. So like cardio, low and slow, um, stretching, yoga, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's really like anything else. It's a variety. It's balance. That's really important. But that being said, I still have patients that do all those things, eat a perfect clean diet and still come to me and say, I cannot lose this weight. I still have issues with my thyroid, etc." So what we have to understand is that when we're talking about metabolism and metabolic health, so much of it is coming from the gut, from the brain. Um, hormones are huge when we're talking about metabolic health. And so that's where I see a lot of patients um, that finally come see me because they're getting frustrated with just eating a clean diet mm -hmm. and working out and not seeing mm -hmm. any changes. Um, then we may go deeper and look at what's your thyroid doing? Um, what are your leptin levels like? Leptin is a hormone that mm -hmm. um, is released from adipose or fat tissues and tells the brain, hey, I'm satisfied. I don't need any more food. Well, some people have a leptin resistance, which is kind of like insulin resistance. So mm -hmm. They make the leptin, and they actually probably make more than they should because they have more fat tissue, but your brain stops listening to it, and so you never have that shut-off mechanism. You never have that, mm -hmm. oh, I'm satisfied feeling. And so we look at things like that. We look at things like thyroid and your sex hormones, adrenals, cortisol levels, and those are a lot of times a missing piece that no one has addressed to get metabolism back on track. Um, and sometimes it's also like timing of when you work out. Mm -hmm. You know, we had talked about, I think at the conference that we were at, um, they talked about the seven to 10 minute, I think seven minutes was researched. That's all you need. Maybe this wasn't a, this conference. It was maybe a different one, but um, seven minutes was researched. That is all you need as like a hit workout to increase metabolism and get metabolic pathways working. Mm -hmm. so people are doing these like 45 hour minute CrossFit or whatever workouts every single day, well, guess mm -hmm. what? That can be a stressor on the body just as much as, you know, stress from an infection or whatnot. So I think it's really about, again, always looking at the whole person and figuring out mm -hmm. what your body needs for that moment. Because CrossFit can be great for some people, but not for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, some people need, may need more cardio. Some people may need more stretching. Um, some, you may just need that wake up in the morning, seven, 10 minutes of HIIT workout, and that's good for metabolism. Mm -hmm. For cardiovascular health, it's different. So mm -hmm. I think it's always looking at how it directly impacts different aspects of health. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and 
it's just one of those, um, you know, because I, I started out with, that was my background. It was fitness yeah. and nutrition. Um, and I, I think hmm, there's so many ways I could run with this, but ultimately we have to remember like exercise. It, it is a, a, a stress on the body to whatever degree, obviously going for a, a walk in nature is probably going to be more uh, parasympathetic uh, provoking and, you know, blood flow, lymphatic flow, lower cortisol, because you're getting your Shinrin Yoku going and forest bathing and all of that versus, yeah, you know, CrossFit, which, you know, I am a CrossFit coach. I don't use it anymore, but Hey, you know, it's another feather in the cap or whatever. But, uh, um, you know, I love CrossFit. It ultimately though, I think people need to understand, uh, that pursuing a fitness goal versus pursuing a metabolic health goal uh, are not always going to go hand in hand. So with the majority of my clients, you know, we're working through like a, you know, GI infection protocol, or, you know, we're trying to detox, you know, mold toxins and crap, whatever it is, like, we literally like, recovery is the priority, not beating up your body with a workout. Um, but I think, you know, and we could tug that string all day. But something I feel really strongly about um, and this kind of speaks even to like my own journey through life and health and all of that as I've matured and awakened uh, a little bit on on my path is uh, learning the language of unconditional love, which uh, my friend Christy Marsh described unconditional love as the fifth dimension, which I never heard that like terminology before, but I really dug that because um, I think when you start kind of studying conditional love versus unconditional and you start practicing and, and notice I say practicing, it's not like you read about it once and then boom, you know, the uh, fairy tales all come true or whatever. Like it's, it's a practice um, just like anything else. You have to practice it day in and day out and ultimately unconditional love uh, for yourself and others. Like it is the only way, like it's, it seems to be the only way and um, how this relates to fitness, it's like, where is he going with this? But um, I just, I see so many people, especially like, um, you know, I've done five bodybuilding shows and I have a lot of competitor friends and stuff. And I have very strong opinions on show prep and how to do it from a holistic savage nature. Because um, I think just a lot of people, they're unhappy and they're unhealthy. And their immediate thought is turn to fitness because we all get uh, bombarded with fitspos or whatever the word is. I still don't know what that word means or where it came from um, on social media and like, look at my abs and all this kind of junk. And it's so hollow underneath that. It's, it's these, I don't want to get savage and say shells of humans, but um, people tend to, they're unhappy, they're unhealthy, they don't like themselves, it's a lot of self-loathing, and that motivates them to go kick their own ass in the gym and pursue a physique or fitness goal to fill the void in their soul. And I think we have to start exercising out of self-love, not self-hate, you know, uh, is, is probably the most concise way I could put it. Because when you start practicing unconditional self-love, what's that look like? So let's give an example. Oh, you know, I've been working uh, a 12 hour shift and um, I just got off work. I'm exhausted, but I still got to go do my hard leg day because otherwise 
you know, I'll never reach my fitness goals and have the physique of my dreams and da 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 da. Uh, and, and it's kind of this like, oh, no rest days and like you got to want it more and da, da, da. and it's, it's I don't think the problem with our society is we don't like work hard enough. I mean, definitely, I think some people, um, but I think self-love is going to be, uh, you know what, my body, that's not what it needs right now. What it needs is like a nature walk, a hot Epsom bath, some organic salad, a grass-fed steak, and I'm going to chill the f out tonight. Not, well, I have to get, I have to get in my metabolic conditioning and then food prep, and you know what I'm. Oh, I could yeah, go on 100%. and on. I mean, that's probably such a big thing that we talk about with a lot of our patients. Is they come in like, oh yeah, I'm like I exercise all the time a lot, and I tell them, okay, well, I actually want you to go from working out seven days a week to four maybe, yeah. but I also want one of those days to be yoga or a walk. And they're like, totally. yeah, I mean, like I have three heads, but I think you're right. I mean, so much of it is why are you doing, why are you doing the things that you're doing in any mm -hmm. aspect of life? Um, I actually, yeah. interestingly enough, I went to an event last night and Steve um, Weatherford was speaking, who mm. was the kicker of the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. Such a cool guy. And he is, um, he does a lot of podcasts and, and works with different business coaching and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, yeah, like, I have this amazing physique, but once I started realizing like why I had it and underneath I had all these insecurities, like just mm. because someone looks great doesn't necessarily mean they have no insecurities. Right. Um, so I think it is really important to go back to like, why are you doing the things that you're doing and do they really feed your soul? Yeah. I think that's a really good question you can ask. Like, am I doing this for me or mm -hmm. am I doing it because of the opinions of others? I'm trying mm -hmm. to live up to the opinions of others. Well, guess what? That takes so much energy. And there you totally. go, you're draining your energy and you're taking that energy away from healing. Yeah. So if healing is your goal um, on whatever level that you're working on, then make sure that the actions that you're doing, the people you're around, the things that you're eating all help to enhance that, mm -hmm. not drive energy away from that. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of bring you full circle back to fertility, this is actually a really big issue that I'll see with people. Um, a lot of women overexercise and, totally. and men too. Um, but that may be a huge reason for their anovulation. So their ability to, the, their loss of ovulation, mm -hmm. which obviously you need to ovulate in order to get pregnant. Um, and so when you don't have enough body fat, um, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll hear a lot like pro athletes and women that are collegiate athletes or, or work out a lot or on these sports teams. Oftentimes, and I'm sure a lot of women have experienced this, they, they stop getting their period. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time they're also not ovulating. And so it's about like figuring out a balance. We need a certain amount of body fat in order to be able to support growing a baby. Um, and then the flip side of that is there are women that are trying to get pregnant that may have a little extra weight and that's also not inducive for, um, supplying good nutrients to the baby. So it's either, you know, how do we maintain weight, lose weight or help you gain weight? Um, as well as looking at fitness as a way to just enhance and support the body and not drive, 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 drive mm -hmm. without the rest. Mm -hmm. Because then we start to see the adrenals getting fatigued. We see burnout. We see um, issues with being able to perform the same way, um, injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it's really important to look at exercise in a healthy, as a healthy tool to, to continue healing and not just to, you know, get the best physique ever. Right. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. Whew. Well, you said something really important there. Um, one of my like life mantras or kind of rules that I like to live by is really thinking about um, 
if it doesn't nourish your mind, body, or soul, forget it, stop it, skip it, you know? And I think that's still like the cover image on my Facebook or something, but, um, I really do try to encourage people like we make thousands of choices every single day, thousands of choices. And, you know, not that it's realistic to every single choice, like Brendan, does this nourish your mind, body or soul? And then you kind of have to think about it. And then you kind of have to because, you know, it might nourish your mind, but not your body, it might nourish your soul, but not your mind. And you kind of have to it's a balancing act. But the point is being being self aware and practicing that self love of okay, what is the best thing I could do for myself right now? And it's not always what you want to do. You know, there's the, the, the desires of the ego versus the needs of the divine soul, you know, and those are not always the same thing. So I think if we kind of stop and ask ourselves like, hmm, you know, I've got uh, CrossFit on the schedule tonight. Is that really the best thing that I could do for myself? And if it is, then do it. Yeah, but yeah. if it's not, think yeah. about it. Something yeah. that was really cool that Steve was talking about last night was two different things. One, he said, live your life by design, um, which I really loved because it was like, we live in this society where it's like, follow this certain path and what life looks like and where you're supposed to be at a certain points in your life. And it's like, but why? Like, mm -hmm. not to appease other people and to like fit in versus kind of figuring out like what the perfect day or week or year looks like to you which I think will really help um, on healing when we talk about healing because it helps to, you know, support your soul and bring you joy when you live life the way you want, not the way how others live. Right. And the other thing he said was the differences between professionals and amateurs. We were talking about, okay, like when you set up your schedule, like you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to CrossFit these days and you get to that point and you're like, oh man, I'm so drained, but I'm doing it. Like I'm going to get into the gym. Um, one of the things he said was the differences between an amateur and a professional is that amateurs make decisions based on feelings and professionals mm -hmm. make decisions because they have already set it in place and have it in their life design. And I do love that. I think it's really helpful, especially because I tend to live more on the like, eh, I don't really feel like getting up to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so it helps me be a little bit more structured, but at the same time, I do think it's about balance. Like, I think mm -hmm. it's really good to still check in and figure out like, where you're feeling, how you're feeling, what's best for your soul. Um, and try to tease out like, is this just ego feeling mm -hmm. or is this like how my soul is feeling? I love that you said that. Um, so I don't know. I think it's about balance, but I do think that we can be as healthy as possible when we really help, uh, support ourselves, like on a soul level, heart level, mind, mm -hmm. body level. That's where the true healing happens. Boom. You know, I feel like that's the, the <laughs> note to end on right there was because you just, you know, I, we could easily talk all day, but that just beautifully tied it all together. I mean, we covered so much ground of, you know, fertility and hard science and spirituality, psychology, self-ownership of taking ownership of your own health, communication, ego, like, whew, what a rich, what a rich episode, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Goodness. So where can people learn more about you? We'll, we'll, we have all of your info and we'll be sure to blast it all over cyberspace when we post the episode, but. Cool. Yeah. Um, so my website, everything's pretty simple. It's just wildcraftmedicine.com. Uh, my Instagram is also wildcraftmedicine and I have a Facebook page, wildcraftmedicine. So I do post a lot about different events I have. If you're local um, in La Jolla, San Diego area, uh, please come join whenever. I try to do a lot of community events to reach out and support community get education and power that's some of our pillars as well 
Um, so that's where we post most of those things. Very good. You know, I'll be in San Diego, November. I want to come see your clinic. Awesome. Absolutely. That'd be super tight. Yeah. We can hang out, get tacos yeah. or something. Oh, we'll definitely get tacos. <laughs> I hope, you know, I'm sure, I mean, our, our paths will cross at least one more time by the end of the year. I'm sure we'll be in Santa Cruz, I think in like September or something like that. But hopefully we're at another conference together sometime. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. That would Hashtag be awesome. Marcons, right? <laughs> Yep, good times learning about chronic illness and yeah, heavy stuff. But I love it. Be- <laughs> yeah, we're you know we are we're we're so fortunate. Like I I cannot imagine like a better line of work than than what we get to do. Like you know, can it be hard and complex and overwhelming and draining sometimes? Absolutely. But my God, like I couldn't be more passionate about this stuff. It's so cool. It's pretty satisfying to do something that you're so passionate about and helping other people. It's pretty awesome feeling. Totally. Totally. Well, Emily, it's been such an honor having you on the podcast. You're, you're such a wealth of knowledge and such a dope soul that I was just like, oh, I can't wait to you know, share your light and love with the world. So thank you so much for being on the show with me. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get this. I'll let you know when the episode drops, we'll blast it out there. But um, a lot of good education that I think a lot of people really benefit from. So thank you for contributing to the mission of, you know, saving the world from chronic disease. We'll do it together. Awesome. Have a beautiful rest of your day, my friend. You too. You too. All right. We'll see ya.